being free, being safe, um, you know, having your family and community, these things, money and wealth obviously do allow you to be comfortable and safe in the world that we live in. These things do create or allow you to feel happy. You know, people are like, money doesn't bring happiness, but it does bring things like the heating. So, you know, um, (laughs) um, but you know, um, those things in concept are not necessarily bad or wrong, you know, wanting to be feel safe and community and all of those things, but it's the way that they get misused and misapplied. Hi, Cork Hackers. This is a podcast about cracking the Cork code. I'm Celine, a media graduate with an interest in Corks. And I'm Celine's dad, Stephen, organisational psychologist, also very interested in high control groups and cults um, and also a former member. So welcome to Cult Hackers. The topic today is, Celine? The topic in question is happiness. And suggested by Vincent, one of our patrons. So thank you, Vincent. Um, so why are we talking about happiness? Why is that an important subject to talk about when we think about cult hacking, do you think? Because I think it is a major concern of why people get in and why people get out Hmm. um the promise of happiness and the failure to get happiness (laughs) Um, yeah so there we go very good point yeah that's right i think that's it and obviously on cult hackers we like to dig into the detail um so we want to really understand what we mean by happiness and the way that cults and high control groups use it as the the hook you know, I would say that of all the things that um, drag people in or suck people in, let's say, it is this promise of happiness. You know, come and join us and you'll find happiness like you've never found before. Mm. Um, and obviously this reflects um, a feeling that we, we we always want to be happy. You know, it's a very, very human feeling. It's a very human emotion. And, and I guess if you did a survey on people are you as happy as you'd like to be i guess most people would say no i, I wish i could be happier mm. um because I, I think most people probably feel that they would like to be happy i don't know what that that's just my opinion but i don't know what you mm. think about that Celine. um i don't know in the sense that like i guess i could be happier but i'm also aware of like you need to have a range of emotions for anything mm. to mean anything right so like <laughs> i feel like i'm happy enough like I have, yeah. I feel happiness enough such that I still understand what happiness is. That's very interesting. Okay, that reminds me a little bit of the conversation we had when we were. What should I think about um, around mm. emotions? Because obviously, joy is one of the mm-hmm. what we might describe as a core emotion, mm. which is closely linked to happiness, I guess. Um, and yeah, I suppose we we sort of discovered that through through talking about the movie mm. um, Inside Out. And that, yeah, to be happy all the time or joyful all the time. Then it, um, it almost isn't happy. Yeah. Because. Yeah. It's denying the reality of, of life as well, isn't it? And, it is. But also if you're always in one state of being, mm, it feels more like being neutral than being happy. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so how would we define it? What, what is happiness? Um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's a very non-tangible thing we're talking about. Um, I suppose that some people will try and talk about it in tangible ways. So they'll try and talk about particular like physiological responses, um, mm. areas that light up in the brain, 
um you know getting a higher voice or you know like these things that yeah might express happiness but it depends because there's different kinds of happy for different kinds of moments i suppose so like i would kind of say contentedness for me comes as a Mm. as a shoot off of happiness Mm. um and then there's being gleeful which is also happy but in a very different way so it's quite complicated it is um i looked in the dictionary the oxford dictionary um, very helpfully, the definition of happiness is the state of being happy. Ah, <laughs> circular. How helpful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's because it's how, how do you deny um, mm. it? How do you explain, define. define, that was the word I wanted. How do you define happiness? Because, again, it's a very individualist experience. Mm. So like my yeah. happy might be different to your happy. My neutral might be somebody's happy or like, you know. Yeah, I think I think you you use the word contentedness, and that's the word I jotted down for me as well. I think that's what when I'm thinking about what happiness means, that's what I think yeah. about this feeling of calm, contentedness, feeling that I'm okay. You know, I, yeah. I'm okay. I feel okay, and it doesn't mean being gleeful all the time and laughing all the time. For me, it's just that feeling of um relaxation of contentedness and i think the mm. other thing with happiness is it's also the absence of things for me as well so it's the absence of anxiety the absence of um anger and pain and frustration and all those feelings that are quite unpleasant feelings actually um so it's the absence of those things for me um and then you, you get this sense of calm and this sense of contentedness and i think that's what that's what people are looking for um, and sometimes it gets mixed up for being hyper all the time and wanting to have those fixes of of experience that are going to give us that short-term mm. joyful experience. But I think, actually, when it comes down to it, happiness is a much more calm feeling of, of okayness. Mm. That's, that's the way I see it. Uh, in my 55 years of trying yeah. to find happiness <laughs> if someone else would like anyone else would like to weigh in mm. on what you think happiness is please feel free to absolutely um write a comment somewhere or you can even do it as part of the review you can review this episode and tell us what you think happiness is indeed yeah because I, I think in a way that's why cults are able to use happiness as a way into people because it because nobody really has a singular understanding of even what it is let alone how to get it it leaves room for lots of theory around it you know so um i think there's a lot of promises about how to be happy in religions in general and obviously cults in particular so um think about like christian groups um salvation Mm. might be um a route to happiness so join this group become a christian and then obviously become a a member of this sect or this group and you will find true happiness and they promise like they promise um forgiveness as well so you can be happy because you'll be forgiven that's right yeah your previous sins or wrongdoings will be forgotten and you can be happy like without without guilt because you're your guilt is removed so you can you're free yeah. to be happy yeah 
so that's one of the promises isn't it that's a really important one so that's a, a christian tradition really that we're all sinners uh we've all done bad things we're born into sin which means we're all deserving of death mm. um therefore we've got this thing over our heads if you become a member of this church or this group or this sect or this cult then you will be forgiven of your sins because of Christ's ransom sacrifice and that that is supposed to make you feel happy um i i never felt that i have to say i i didn't it didn't make any sense to me on an emotional level i could understand it um you know on an intellectual level although it's a bit silly in my view anyway um but it didn't make me feel anything the idea that Jesus had died for some kind of um, as a ransom sacrifice that God had required because if you sin, you're you're worthy of death. It just all seemed, um, yeah, it didn't really touch me at all. Uh, and maybe that was part of the problem. It didn't didn't make me feel anything. It didn't make me feel happy. Um, it seemed re- really quite, um, I don't know, cold and. Uh, you know, it's 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 bureau- bureaucratic, isn't it? Yeah. If you're seeing it as a as a courtroom, essentially, you're just being your your fine is being paid. Yeah. It just didn't feel like a a particularly emotional experience. It felt bureaucratic and mm. um, technocratic. So yeah. Maybe that's the difference of being born in versus joining. Maybe. Yeah. Because I think maybe if you're born in and you've always, or maybe it's. A, not not so fine a line as this but maybe it's more like if you think you have something that you've done that you need to be mm. forgiven for yeah then that's going to do more for you so even if it's something yeah. that by all rights you don't need to be forgiven for like being gay like that's fine but because of how you've been raised you feel mm. like that needs to be forgiven so it might make you feel relief even though obviously it ultimately it is messing with you in a massive way. Mm. Um, but that's why some people might cling to that or, you know, they've had a previous um, a previous transgression or something they've done wrong that is wrong and they think that mm. this is the way to be forgiven, that only God could forgive them for it. You know, it's... Yeah. Maybe that's Yeah, the that's difference. true. It's a good point. It's a good point, yeah. You, yeah. Were, a, you were a toe-the-line kind of man <laughs> and boy. Yeah. <laughs> so was. there wasn't things that you necessarily thought, I've got lots of sins that need to be forgiven because you were very concerned about not sinning all the time. That is true. Although, you know, I did feel guilty all the time Mm. because of that. So it's a kind of catch 22. So yeah, it wasn't that I felt I hadn't got any sins, but I suppose, yeah, if you'd, um, I don't know, if you come into a group after you've lived a life where you may have, I don't know, maybe you were a drug dealer or something and selling Mm. hard drugs and making people very unhappy and you'd seen the effect it had had on others and you were, crippled by this feeling of guilt yeah i can see why a promise of look you know this is a way that you can absolve yourself from those feelings um and come to terms with them so yeah that's a good point um that i think for some people that could be the promise but i guess um like a lot of these groups particularly cults the promise is there but the reality isn't necessarily living up to the promise so Mm. Um, I wonder how many people still feel guilt and still feel, you know, and like they did. Um, yeah. They just thought that they would be absolved and mm-hmm. would, would feel better. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, salvation is one of them. I've got um, freedom. I think often cults promise freedom in all sorts of domains. Um, even like, you know, some of these new age type cults, I suppose, or cults around the seventies and so on with free love and everything. Mm. There was sexual freedom being promised there. You know, don't, don't be, um, uh, tied to one individual person. That's wrong. That's selfish. Um, you know, live in a, in a group where you can just enjoy each other's bodies and, uh, and total sexual freedom. So that's, that's, I think, toted as a, a route to happiness, you know, mm-hmm. find, find happiness through just complete sexual freedom or, um, yeah. So that's another, I think that's another promise. But again, as we find reading books from authors who've experienced life in those groups, it doesn't seem to give them the happiness that is mm-hmm. promised. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly women in these groups who are often exploited, unfortunately. Mm-hmm um so yeah there's a couple that i i thought of have you can you think of any that cults um tend to use to to attract people in to to make them happy um you know the phrase that everyone loves to to use because it is so accurate but the love bombing um yes that that's a Mm. promise of happiness isn't it because you know through community yeah Mm. because it's you know you're going to be you're going to be protected and loved and cared for um and yeah it's completely not true because you know um as we've spoken to people even that were in um if they weren't considered spiritual enough they'd Mm. still not receive that kind of love and protection from the group um but especially when you eventually do leave you no longer have that um Mm. regardless of if they're friends or family they will Mm. leave you (laughs) and that'll be yeah and that demonstrates the, the lack of depth to that um, that experience. So yeah, you promise this deep family like connection with with mm-hmm. people, and that is uh, that is reinforced as you say when you go along first time you go to a meeting or you go to a a group and everybody love bombs you. It feels great to be the center of attention, and you, you, the promise then is is all these lovely people who are really interested in you. And you know you, you can exist in this this state of constant social um, wonderfulness, um, mm. but of course, yeah, you're right. It, it's not always like that while you're in. And certainly, if you uh, decide that you no longer want to be part of it anymore for whatever reason, yeah, you get dropped like a stone. So that's mm. um, again, it's a lie. It's a con trick. Um, look at this thing. You can get all this happiness, and then when you actually buy it when you when you go for it then you start to realize that you've been fooled or maybe you don't realize maybe then the goalposts move as they say so uh, yeah if you do this then you'll be happy so you you join the cult you join the group thinking that's going to make you happy but then actually you're still not happy so you think well what, why am i not happy well maybe it's because i should do this thing in the group i need to do this thing that will make me more happy um, and so you're constantly striving for the next thing that's going to make you happy within the group. And so you're, you're, you're on that hook. Mm. Um, I asked Twitter um, about this. Uh, I asked um, on my account, so my followers on, on Twitter, I asked them to give us a bit of feedback. So shall I read some of the, yeah, please the comments that came out? I just want to say thank you to everybody that responded on Twitter. It was brilliant. Um, whenever I've asked these questions 
I've always had a really good response and I really appreciate it. I'm going to try and read all of them that replied. Please forgive me if I miss one. Twitter's horrible to try and go through a thread and not to miss anybody. So um, I do apologize if I miss you, but I'm going to read, I'm going to read them as, as I go through. Um, so Joe Bazotz said, they promised I would see my dead loved ones resurrected and that I would never die. Um, so that sounds like an ex Jehovah's witness. Um, yeah. B- believing that you're going to see dead loved ones come back in a resurrection in physical form is something that a lot of people are promised and that is uh, that is something that people stay in because of you know I can't possibly leave this group because I want to see mm-hmm. my dead loved ones again um and there's pictures artist impression of children coming back from graves and giving their parents a hug and uh, you know it's very emotional um and it's i think quite cynical personally mm-hmm. um who wouldn't want to see their their dead child or or parents you know it's um yeah it, it's a promise and that obviously would make people happy uh, if that was to happen i guess um another one from lamb chocolate i was promised that the confusing lies and doctrine of trinity my of my former church would be exposed Quite sad that I was fed with bigger lies, told to preach lies, live in lies, and prepare to go to the grave with the lies. I left fast, says Lamb Chocolate. Mm. So that's interesting. Yeah, promise there was, I suppose, for truth, um, more than simple happiness. Um, Get the data, says, having true joy and not just the shallow, temporary joy the world might appear to have. True friends, a hope for the future, everlasting life on a paradise earth. Um, answers and they say i was born in and had none of those things i'm much happier content and relaxed now i'm out xjw mm-hmm. so that's really interesting um pablo partigiano who's featured on tweet of the week before um said i think the biggest things for me were the promise of personal fulfillment and of having the best way to help people Every interview or example highlights the blessings of their choices as different labels like pioneer or elder as you reach the next goal. Sure, it's fulfilling, but more like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then the idea that I was preaching the only long-term solution to people's problems really worked on me. But in order to believe that, you really have to diminish everyone else's social efforts as selfish or pointless. That's a very insightful uh, comment there. Thank you. Um, yeah, so the joy that comes from helping others, that's a really good one, isn't it? I think that is often what cults promise. Join join this group because we've got the answers and we can help the world. Mm. So that appeals to our feelings that we want to help other people and that will make us happy. Um, Fade to X, Adam said, JW's held up paradise, but more often in gritty detail, they warned of what would happen if you left. Not just the opposite of happiness, but destitution, diseases and death. Alliteration for emphasis, Mark G. (laughs) (laughs) Good on you. Yeah, so uh, he's making a joke there about the Kingdom Ministry School. Definitely get a G from me. Fake to X, Adam. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's a really good point, actually. And it's something that cropped up in quite a few comments was actually maybe there's a promise of happiness or joy, but there's also the other side of it. There's the threat 
of death and destruction and all those horrible things if you don't become a member of the group or if Mm -hmm. you leave yeah i was going to say i think for me coming from the point of view of someone that wasn't in but has relationship because of everything Mm. as the listeners know um one of the most i don't I, i think one of the most emotionally compounding reasons that i or like you know confirming reasons to me as to not joining was the behavior of people in (laughs) to be quite honest um yeah because the way that they behaved and treated people um including myself as a child at the time you know to drop as you said drop them like it's hot it's like Mm. um made me realize the the lack the the very surface level of care and the Mm. the pretend and the playing yeah not it, it was at any as a child sometimes I would think oh I, I want to go because you know there's all these nice mm. people that want to talk to me and you know and there's lots of kids to play with and have friends and da, 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 and you know this and that and then yeah you just it's very put in the cold harsh light of day that it's just not true because <laughs> they use their other side of the tactic which is yeah the you know the disassociation and like you know the whole the the distasteful side of it and that you'll mm. you'll not be happy and it's not our fault it's your fault you know what i mean that's right yeah all of that yeah. Um, absolutely yeah, yeah. so the, the threat there's lots of threats there isn't there mm-hmm. um to first of all it's the threat of dying at armageddon horribly mm-hmm. if you don't come in and then when you're in there's obviously still that if you leave mm-hmm. but also then obviously you've got the threat of losing everybody that you care about Mm-hmm. um which is yeah that's uh, th- again that's very cynical i think mm-hmm. um yeah apostate me said being free of the burdens of a worldly life they framed it as a broken system that had no capacity to bring happiness they teach that a globalized theocracy is the only way and that hoping for it would make one happy um, yeah absolutely mm-hmm. so that's an interesting one so theocracy rule by god direct rule by god um is going to make you happy that we were definitely told that um so yeah, yeah that's... we've seen dictatorships go really well <laughs> yeah um, all even the if god was real really you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah even if god were real like yeah. i mean if we're getting old testament god then everyone hold mm. on to your hats because you know if you so happen to be in in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Well, you know, um, I wanted to mention this actually um, at some point. It sounds like now is a good time. But I've been watching with, um, I suppose, horror, and but also admiration for the women who, and men who have mm. stood with them in Iran, yep. um, denying um, the, the, the laws about wearing headscarves, hijabs, and uh, and so on. And not just wearing them, but wearing in them in the correct way, you know. Um, and this is a theocracy. This is a state where you have a literal police force who it's their job to make sure that women are wearing their clothing in the correct way. Um, and after on the, the death other of side, a woman... Well, yeah, I know. Mm. And then on the other side, there's also a different, a different group in a different part of the world which is fighting for the exact opposite the right to wear them yeah you've seen so it's like but that's happening simultaneously and it's you know it's it's atrocious that and yeah really brave what people are doing to fight for their right well that's right and at the end of the day that that is it it's um and this is where 
extreme religions always get it wrong. They 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 fight for their rights to believe whatever they want to believe, and they think mm-hmm. that's so important. And yeah, I agree. But if you think that's important for every for you, then you have to think it's important for everybody else, and that includes people that want to leave mm-hmm. and, and their freedom right to, to talk, talk about, about it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do we sound burnt? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Jones. Uh, Mark Jones, just in replying to apostate me, says, funny, ISIS say the same thing. Apostate me then says, and we all saw how that turned out. So, yeah, Mm. absolutely. Um, Okay, Roberta Blevins, anything that would produce a dopamine hit, future faking, love bombing, edification, anything. Yeah, indeed. That's interesting that she mentions love bombing like you did there. Um, There's there's quite an interesting comment by matt epley in general soothing my all-encapsulating fomo so i wrote fomo down when i was making my notes about this um Mm. fomo fear of missing out i was gonna say do you know what fomo means yeah (laughs) fear of knowing the lingo is that is that cool yeah yeah there you go is that cool no not anymore no you failed now no uh, now, now you say it's cool and it's not cool yeah um exactly. fear of missing out on seeing my wife and kids again in the afterlife so mm. this is one heck of a fomo isn't it yeah. fear of missing out on seeing my wife and kids again in the mm-hmm. afterlife fear of losing vague blessings for even minor disobedience coffee tea alcohol and rated r movies so it sounds like uh, matt is an ex-mormon and mm. fear of missing out on protection from a violent apocalypse uh the church leaders preach that the war is already won and that all we have to do all we had to do was pick a side or pick the winning side an easy choice right but then we learn that there's far far more to it than that for us to truly win, we needed to meet an unending list of conditions until we die. Um, and he continues, like a kidnapper who tells who tells you, don't worry, I've ensured that your wife and kids are safe. Congrats, you've won the chance to save them and bless yourself in the process. All you have to do is pay a ransom equal to 10% of your income and do exactly mm-hmm. what I tell you until you die. Nice. Matt, that's brilliant. Um, that's so insightful. Yeah, absolutely. And so that mm-hmm. is one of the things that cults do is they promise this happiness through all these different ways, fear mm-hmm. of missing out of all these wonderful things that Matt describes there. But then, yeah, it's got this um, this stuff they don't tell you that you have to do in order to, to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, our friend Daniel, Daniel O'Brien, um, Jehovah's Witnesses claim to be the happiest people on earth. And they do. That's one of the things that they they talk about. You know, Jehovah is a happy God and he wants his people to be happy too. Jehovah's Witnesses are the happiest people on earth. And then he puts, hint, they aren't. No. (laughs) It's actually a highly destructive cult that destroys families and ruins lives. Mm -hmm. And he gives a link to JW Facts. So you can follow that link if you find all that on Twitter. Um, Yeah. So Ron Pimo, who again has featured on our podcast before says resurrection of dead loved ones that pull is so strong they are willing to shun actual living loved ones Mm -hmm. to get there and mark jones says until until you put it like that i never looked at it that way that's a really good point isn't it ron pimo Mm -hmm. um yeah so i really want to see these dead loved ones that i don't have access to anymore 
and I'm willing to shun the actual living ones. Yeah. The, the, sad, the sad thing as well is it reminds me of when we had the Cora episode um, yeah. where it was, you know, people that weren't even necessarily in the witnesses, but they were like, oh, they'll be there at the resurrection because he can read hearts, mm. you know, and it makes me think about certain people thinking that, that certain people will be there because, you know, they can read hearts. So they'll be there, you know, they, they were, they were coming in They They, you know, they didn't do it, get baptized in time, but they'll be there. And it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's lots of lies people tell themselves. Mm. Um, I mean, one of the, the thing about the general resurrection that, that Jehovah's witnesses were told was that everybody, unless they'd, you know, like there was always the discussion about whether Hitler would come back. No, Hitler's not going to come back, you know? Mm. Um, but, unless you've done something really bad like that, then everybody would be resurrected. So, um, you know, you could have been a horrible person, but you're still coming back. So that Mm. meant that if you were looking forward to seeing your dead grandfather or mother or father, whatever, um, it didn't really matter if they weren't a very nice person that they'll come back. And, you know, obviously, hopefully you'll, um, they'll, they'll change. Mm. So it's, you know, it's complete fantasy land, fantasy in any other domain. I think people would recognize that mm-hmm. sort of thing for what it was, but somehow once you're, you're hooked into it. Um, yeah. Ouster, Ouster, Robin um, says, uh, I don't remember. It was rather about fear in my former courts. God would throw you in hell. If you forget to confess every single sin in your life. So that, again, that's the other side, isn't it? So cults promise you happiness, or at least some do, um, but others, it's through fear, I guess. And that's often the way you keep in, I think. So yeah. it's the attraction is the good thing, and then when you're in, it's the fear of either losing that or, yeah, burning in hell. Charming. Mm. Carl McGovern says, I was brought up Catholic and promised if I was good, I would go to heaven. Now I have no religion. I am happy to go back to nothingness. Like before I was born. I don't remember what it was like, but it may be okay. <laughs> yeah. I like it, Carl. Uh, wifey Shell, living in paradise and seeing my dad again when he was brought back to life. That was um, the reason for Wifey Shell. So yeah, we've mentioned that already. My dead father being resurrected. That's malcontent. Uh, Michelle, um, that XJW Wick which she has um, a YouTube channel, Michelle, and uh, she uses TikTok quite a lot. So check her content out, by the way. Um, That we were happy, that we were Jehovah's happy people now on earth today and soon would be living forever, perfect in paradise after Armageddon. Always showing propaganda of sweet, smiling JWs versus mean and angry worldly people to reinforce this. Absolutely. So again, the promise of happiness through um, lots of physical um, stuff, you know, like lovely food and lovely weather. So when you see these pictures of paradise, you know, it's not raining and yeah, it's all green and lush, but um, you know, the weather's beautiful, sun shining, um, always beautiful people from different places, you know, and Mm. um yeah, stroking animals and uh, all, uh, wild animals and all that sort of thing. It's a beautiful, idyllic thing. And that's obviously people feel happy when they're in lovely, idyllic places. So that's the promise. Um, 
Kayleen Monique that the goddess and your spirit guides would make sure you had the money and resources to live an elegant life. But the leaders of this neo-pagan cult were ultimately the ones to decide if you were doing the right things to please the goddess, AKM, aka them. Mm. That's really interesting, Kayleen. Um, I might reach out to Kayleen because I'd like to know more about that group. I don't know anything about that. So that sounds really interesting. Um, Yeah. So a completely different type of hook there. Um, But again, the idea that you're going to have something to make you happy. So actually, we haven't talked about money yet. Um, It's one of the attractions of what is often called the prosperity gospel. I don't know whether you've heard of that, Celine. No, the things I've heard of is basically putting aside like the you know the aspirations of wealth and um, yeah you know just go clean some windows and make enough so that's one one approach that's the that's the more kind of um puritanical i suppose puritanical is the word i was looking for yeah exactly um but um particularly in the states this thing called the prosperity gospel and basically it goes like you know if you if you join this church and if you worship in the right way god is going to bless you with all this stuff yeah, yeah to be Planes, fair i mean it makes sense holidays that houses <laughs> that makes um, sense as well because there is the whole like i mean when when you know the people that would colonize america went they did say it was their god-given right <laughs> yeah, to I take guess. it well that is the thing they said they had mm. a divine right for it it had been promised and given to them so they had the right to it that's why yeah, they said it was, was... right us lot, I suppose, really. It was, um, yeah. In the UK. Um, we're, it was. Some purita- we're the bad some, guys. <laughs> some puritanical group. But to be fair, yeah. they're not our direct descendants because ours are the ones that stayed. So. Well, okay. Yay! <laughs> we, we live in, um, I meant to mention at the beginning, um, our country has just gone insane. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really depressing. <laughs> it's completely. Our government is currently in the process of yeah. driving us into the sea. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Liz Truss, man, is like properly insane. She's our Prime Minister. We're selling tea to the Chinese. (laughs) Yorkshire tea. That is a clip that you can find out there of her doing crazy faces and proclaiming that that means we're doing well. Yeah, um, but that that was nothing compared to what she's no, I know. done now. She's got impact. Anyway, that, that this isn't the point. Let's uh, get oh, back. Oh, but that she's stealing my happiness. We're not. We're not. She's taking my happiness away. So let's get back to court hacking. Um, She's putting us into a recession. Rally France said they dangled the carrot of paradise. Also a promise of that all people on the inside were good and outside bad. If you leave, you're in Satan's hands, basically lost. The brotherhood in the org is better than the real family. Uh, PSH in brackets. What was PSH? Psh, don't know. Don't know what that means. Um, XJW, though. So, yeah, totally get that. Totally agree. Um, yeah, so there's this us and them thing that is set up. And, again, you know, you can only be happy in the congregation. Out there is this horrible place, you know, this wicked place with people are bad all the time. Mm. Um, I think it's Evie Rose um, says, in the JWs, it was eternal life, not being killed at Armageddon. It was the promise of paradise and the threat that we could only be happy as one of them. Absolutely. Um, our friends, I was a teenage fundamentalist podcast, mm. um, says we were told so that they come from a evangelical 
Pentecostal sort of fundamentalist group. Um, that was their church. Uh, we were told the only way to be truly happy was to be part of our group. Anyone else seemingly happy were deceived and were not actually happy. That is so interesting, isn't it? Mm. So, yeah, anybody that seems happy, they're not happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can't be happy because they're on the outside. Yeah. So it's like gaslighting really isn't it yeah all those people that look really happy they're not they're not happy no Mm -hmm. you can't they can't be because they're not in the church um oh that's rather um that's a rather rude name um fucking stunad um Mm. says a reassurance that you would be doing the best thing you could with your life JWs do actually think they save people's lives through the preaching they do. That's why there are so many experiences in the literature of witnesses foregoing dreams and careers to do some preaching work or do the preaching work. Yeah, that's a very good point. Mm. Again, this is um, playing on people's good nature, really, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, Eternal life, prosperity, I think a whole ass planet. So I think Melissa, that is Melissa, um, I think Melissa may have been a Mormon. I understand that um, as Mormons, you, in theory, could end up with your own planet Mm. in the future. Um, I need to look into that some more. But yeah, that's, that's quite a promise, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, that's, that's going large, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's a big, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe, um, it buys in for all us youngsters that can't afford houses. <laughs> it's all right. You get your own planet. Yeah. Don't you? Don't need. Don't need to worry about not getting a house. You get a planet. Um, Daniel O'Brien again says they said I could live forever on Paradise Earth. That was, of course, a lie. Indeed. Uh, Baddy Delilah mm. says XJW here. We were meant to push all negative thoughts out of our minds and apparently serving God by going door to door preaching and attending meetings and basically purging your life of anything that isn't JW approved. It was miserable. Yes. And I think that's important to remember that in a way, if you do believe something that isn't true um, in a very kind of rational sense, then if it makes you happy, then I guess you might say, well, it makes them happy what's the problem Mm -hmm. um but unfortunately it often doesn't make you happy i was miserable too um and i think a lot of people in these groups are actually very unhappy they may put on a front of looking happy again i've got to be careful i don't uh, do exactly what i've just criticized the pentecostals of doing Mm -hmm. um but i think when you do look behind the curtain when you or when you've experienced it yourself you realize that just because you see smiling faces on posters or magazines or even when a camera is pointed at them in an assembly doesn't mean that people actually feel happy. Mm. Um, okay, so Riley put a little video on. Um, he's done a TikTok video. I'm sure he didn't do it just for our benefit, um, but check that out he's it's on tiktok so you can check out riley's tiktok um he's quite a, a prolific tiktoker riley mm-hmm. our friend jacks it um but his point there was all about fitness and living forever and since he's come out of the witnesses um 
that was one of the hardest things to start to think about his, you know, his fitness deteriorating and eventually getting old and and, and even dying because that's something he hadn't had to come to terms with. So I think it's quite interesting. Linda replied to that saying, I'm now a firm believer in that age is just a number since being cult free these past four years and almost six months living in our society we were once denied i've learned to embrace every single opportunity in my newfound freedom that being enjoying that's being enjoying life to the full lovely i like that linda that's really good okay um i'm gonna keep going i know there's quite a lot here but i don't want to miss anybody out and it's it i think it helps us to understand what these promises were um nico Shmay Hayes says everlasting life dot 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 and the tiger <laughs> yeah it's always the tiger yeah tiger or panda interestingly uh, Yuri Shivago dodging a hurtling flame fireball or avoiding being swallowed up when the earth is split open um, so yeah I guess that would make you happy, not dying in that horrible way. Um, okay, then we've got a couple of our friends from uh, X Quasi Zabantu. So composer Dan says, who's been on the, the program, Quasi Zabantu promises avoidance of heartbreak by prohibiting all dating and courtship. The leadership told my sister she'd have an unhappy marriage if she didn't marry the KSB way after she turned down a proposal. You could only have a happy marriage if you married the right way. Interesting. Um, Erica Bornman, um, one of my favourite people in the whole world, um, she's written, replied to Dan Daniel, yes, after I decided to leave Quasi Zabantu, their supreme leader told me three things. One, I'd never be happy. Two, my future husband would sleep around with other women. And three, God's curse was now on my life. They equate being there with being happy and leaving with unhappiness. Yeah, so one of the things that we know from psychology is that people have a a very strong fear of losing something they already have. More, it's stronger than actually the effort that you might put in to get something. Mm. And that's been proven through a lot of experimental evidence again this this goes back to the book thinking fast and slow with daniel kahneman so um, yeah i think that's what they play on really it's the you know it's something you've got already don't lose it don't lose it um so it's the fear of losing that can often keep you in michael halber true happiness joy of the lord would only be gained if i was in the will of the god that's the leaders if not truly happy then i was either out of god's will or my heart wasn't right Heads or tails, I lose my fault. And then he says, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's good, isn't it? Um, and that I, I recognise that. So as a as a JW, and I think this this relates to lots of religious groups, if you are unhappy, maybe you're suffering from depression or anxiety, or you just feel really unhappy for whatever reason, um, often you're blamed for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why why would you be sad? You've got everything, you know. So it's, again, it's like gaslighting, really, you know. So mm-hmm. we make your life difficult. We um, stop you from doing things that other people do um, that make them happy. And then when you're not, it's your fault. Um, 
we're nearly we're nearly to the end um, of the, the comments now. Andy Crame says the promise that the servitude to God would make you happy. You think the empty service is gaining you some favour. You're part of something bigger, but in reality, it's time and energy promoting something that's empty. That's why so much of it leads to depression. It's a void. Obed says the promise of the end of suffering and a better life in a perfect world did a wild lot to keep me in until the suffering you experience being in outweighs it and you realize it's not real. Mm. Mm. Daniel Shaw says cults promise transcendent bliss. So that's an interesting one. Um, Transcendent bliss uh, without boundaries, a promise that will never be fulfilled. Human beings are finite, limited and bounded. That's how we're made. Trying to bypass that can only lead to delusion. Happiness is not magically conferred upon us. We construct it. Totally agree. And Mm -hmm. Lily Dunn also says absolutely right. Um, Daniel Shaw has recently been on the Cult Vault. So if you want to hear Daniel, check out Casey's interview there. And Lily Dunn is the author of the wonderful book, Sins of My Father. I haven't reviewed it on the show, but I want to talk about it at some point. It's a fantastic book. Um, Joe Hannah Green says, as a trauma survivor, I clung to the teaching. We'd forget all the pain we endured this side of the new world based on Isaiah 65, 17. The former things will not be called to mind, nor will they come up into the heart. So, yeah, so Johanna um, makes a really good point here. And I think Johanna has a, a YouTube channel, I, I think. Um, she makes a really good point here, I think. We have these scriptures that we would recite um, and we'd know them off by heart. Like there's there's that one, there's Isaiah 65 and there's Revelation 21. Um death will be no more neither will pain or mourning or some i've forgotten it now um the former things have passed away these these we'd recite them like a kind of mindless chant in a way Mm. um and yeah it became just a kind of go-to thing that you just try to hang on to cling on to Mighty Mouse, Gillian, says, eternal life to study every aspect of the natural world with a perfect body and mind. Absolutely. Um, Rally France says, yeah, hey, I was looking forward to that bod. <laughs> Lol. My mm. friend, her doc, told her she had an impending heart attack waiting to happen if she wasn't going to lose weight. And she shrugged and said, oh, well, paradise is almost here. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, Reverend Brother Heathen said, I was convinced God's plan was to remain with the cult. We had a special ministry and plan for our lives. Happiness was irrelevant. When you're convinced the end times are coming, happiness is the last thing expected. So that's interesting. So thank you, Reverend Brother Heathen. Um, Not all cults use happiness as the hook, then I guess. Um, Jake Vaughan, Altworldly. Again, um, massive YouTube channel. And been on the show. Um, for me, more than the promise of eternal life was the promise of being right. Lol. <laughs> being a part of the only group with the correct doctrines is very appealing to a know-it-all like me. <laughs> mm. And beyond that, just a promise of a loving, united, worldwide brotherhood. Mm. Yes. What do you think about that, Celine? Interesting. I wonder the percentage of men that join groups like the Witnesses afterwards so joining not born in 
I would mm. like to know the percentage of men to women ratio that join these groups because I and then I would like to understand the psychology of why. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. I don't have the data on that. I don't know if because anybody's ever done a study on that. No, because I feel like no, the promise of happiness for a man versus a woman joining those groups for me has got to be different though they'll obviously be trying to flog them equally mm. though i can't it's very difficult because if someone knocked on my door obviously i would not bite in any way shape nor form but sure as a woman the potential for happiness is so much smaller in, well, those in groups. the in the organization yeah yeah um I can only speak um, anecdotally, but anecdotally, um, I can say pretty confidently that many more women came in than men. Mm. Um, but men then generationally, do we have questions regarding that? Because obviously, yeah, I suppose like if you're a single mum and someone comes to your door and promises you community and help, then obviously that's going to be, I can see then why. So you see what I mean psychologically, yeah. but if you're a single woman who's you know financially secure and stable and fine mm. then I, I, yeah so they pray for different things they offer you happiness in different plates don't they well that's right so happiness yeah. is the i suppose is the uh the ultimate goal mm. but there's different ways that you're going to achieve that and yes for different people it will be it will be different um i'll just the very last um comment on twitter linda carmel says like the time i was told my favorite animal giraffes would actually come to me daily in the paradise mm. from the acres of land i'd occupy after all those at armageddon would be destroyed I it's used to look at capitalism, isn't it? That's <laughs> right. Listen to this. I used to look at houses on the service and actually pick out the ones I'd live in. <laughs> it's just capitalism, basically. It's a bunch of people that have, through um, calculation and decisions yeah. of the higher ups, have been put into a situation where they are are not like wealthy and cannot be because they're not allowed, you know, to aspire you know to yeah. try and push their worldly careers get educated in order to you know support those careers so they often don't have you know lot, lots of money i mean there are ones that are business owners and do but you know so and then they're like it's all right you'll That's be right. rich in the new world well uh, not you know, rich because you'll have money but because you'll just have whatever you want That's right. you'll just it's... take it either trample you'll the steal corpses it off of those the... who used to live in them <laughs> If you can remove the dead bodies, you can have it. Um, seems to be the... Um... Because I know that sounds dramatic and potentially like if you said that to someone, they'd be yeah. mortified. But yeah. if you need to consider the reality of that. You're picking yeah. out houses, you know, and this isn't at this person because I know this yeah. is something that's been said before. I've heard this right. before. So it's like, okay, person that's still in, you're looking at that house and going, I'd like that house. It's all right. I'll have it soon that's because right. I'll... Now let's logically step by step go through that. How do you get that house? Is it are you forcibly taking it from somebody because you're now yeah. the in power group, or are you are they dead and you're going to drag them out? They've yeah. gone up in flames. You're going to have to, you know, what's happened here? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very it's a very good point, um, and that's something that I don't think the average witness really wants to think about. You know, let's let's. Let's logic this out, guys. Um, Everybody's dead now, that. except you. <laughs> how do you deal? How do we get the yeah. giraffes? Yeah. 
Are we feeding the people to the giraffes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if giraffes eat people. They do um, in this world. They do in like <laughs> dystopian. Yeah. And I mean, we used to get talks about, there's a scripture somewhere that talks about the great evening meal of God where all the birds come down. That feels and, really stressful now. And eat um, the dead bodies, the corpses. Right. Of, of okay, people. so they, they have talked about, see, that's really yeah. grim. What do you all do? Stand on a hill holding hands <laughs> and like below you is just the crows feasting upon like the, the eyes of the dead. Like, God. Can you imagine it? There's eight, about eight billion people on the planet now. Um and uh, you know, pretty much all of those are gonna be killed. That's that's that doesn't turn you vegetarian, then I don't know how it would. <laughs> right, there's so I said that was the last one, but um Daniel Torridon, um, who also is another podcaster, um, has just replied, and I feel like I want to uh, to say yeah, what Daniel fine. said. Uh so he's put three points. One, knowing I was serving and pleasing Jehovah, imaginary mm. though he may be. Two, good friends who truly loved me so much that they shunned me when I got disfellowshipped. Uh, three, a hope for the future, just around the corner for 53 years. Um, beautifully put, Daniel, um, and I like that that sort of yin and yang style that you've put up in that. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, if you have commented and I haven't mentioned your comment, or if you are going to comment, this is uh, Friday the 30th of September at 11.18, currently recording. So obviously if you comment after that, then obviously it won't be Too on late, here. baby. Too late. But thank you so much for contributing. In, you know, I think that's really, really interesting. And it reflects, um, it helps us understand how these groups promise happiness in all these different ways. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can support it by becoming a patron. You can support the podcast for just £1 or $1.50 and receive a variety of Patreon benefits as a thank you. Don't forget to share the podcast, follow, like, subscribe and rate the podcast on the podcast app you're using. A review is particularly helpful as it gets us recognised by new listeners. And finally, if you'd like to reach out to us and tell us about some court hacking you've been involved in or you just want to say hi, you can do so by going to courthackers.com and using the contact form. We love hearing from our court hackers. Thank you for listening and now back to the podcast. Okay, so before the break, we really looked at uh, how different groups use happiness as that carrot to dangle in front of people, but the accessing to that happiness um, is done through a lot of different ways and through our Twitter friends, we've seen lots of different ways. I mean, I've listed things like family, community, peace of mind, money and wealth, transcendence, service, submission, hope. These are all ways that it is claimed we can be happy, um, and but we can only do those things through the proper expression of them, which is through the cult. That's the idea behind these cults. Human beings have been writing stuff about happiness for thousands of years. Um, and so do we have any kind of good handle on the reality of happiness i mean what's your i suppose today what is your philosophy you know young woman mid-20s what's your uh, philosophy for happiness right i put my biscuit down (laughs) um (laughs) um so for me the, the concepts behind what we've talked about though being misused are not necessarily incorrect being free 
Um, yeah, so I mean, being free, being safe, um, you know, having your family and community, these things, you know, money and wealth obviously do allow you to be comfortable and safe in the world that we live in. These things do create or allow you to feel happy. You know, people are like, money doesn't bring happiness, but it does bring things like the heating. So, you know, um, um, but, you know, um, those things in concept are not necessarily bad or wrong, you know, wanting to be feel safe and community and all of those things, but it's the way that they get misused and misapplied that I think is where we end up with everything we just talked about with the, with the um, interactions on Twitter. But in regards to true happiness i like we said i think it is as stated at the beginning it's sim- it's simple it's feeling safe and feeling safe and content hmm. and at ease for me i don't know about for you i think so um so i i tried to sort of scrape as much as i could from the internet and various different books and so on that i've read and thought about um before we did this podcast to try and get my thoughts together obviously we've already talked about the fact that happiness in many respects isn't this um, feeling of euphoria constantly it is that lovely contented feeling for me happiness is not a monolith it's small nice things (laughs) and it's it's uh, a way of existing in the world that isn't about striving actually and this is one of the um, paradoxes about striving for happiness is that the striving makes you unhappy or or can make Mm. you unhappy. I mean, um, working towards a goal, if you're enjoying the journey, as they often say, Mm -hmm. the journey is the most important bit. Um, If you're enjoying the journey, then that's great. So, you know, it could be career or something like that. But I think the thing to remember is it is the journey, not the destination that really matters. So you might have in your mind that you want to be a something, you know, a doctor or a professional or a journalist or whatever it is that you're really interested in and the moment you achieve that you might get a a little bit of satisfaction um but it's actually the journey that will have made the difference so i think you know if you enjoy doing it that's great i'll tell you a different youtuber i always talk about lena but yeah oh god um there's there's a YouTuber, Wheezy Waiter, is his um, okay. thing. It was named because he was he used to have a day job as a waiter and he has asthma, so that hence the name. <laughs> Doing it's quite fun, um, yeah. but yeah, he he just did a video about why fun is good. Um, fun is good for you. You need to have fun, or like you yeah. need to. And it, he's basically in every video is like the pursuit of pointlessness. Do things for no reason, hmm. just because it's fun or good, and you want to. You know how yeah. to reduce anxiety. Pursuit of the pursuit of pointlessness. Um, <laughs> and he was like, you know, for a long time, his channel it now has more of a direction. But he was like, when he needed to ha- have the energy to do it, like every day between, you know, getting up at you know, so getting up at six a.m. to do videos before going for work and stuff like that, and then still having the energy to do it when he got home, it was he was doing what he wanted because it was fun, and some of it was crap, but he was having a fun time. Mm. So yeah, I think that's another one yeah not not everything has to be goal oriented you know um yeah uh, what is it um there's the thing at the min at the minute there's a bit of a joke but came from you know that whole like 
women being like strong and powerful we can do anything and like da, da, da. but there's been a bit of pushback on like women having to do everything as well mm. recently because <laughs> of yeah the, the burnout that comes of like i'm gonna be everything i'm gonna be the best mama and i'm gonna you know be at the ceo and i'm gonna go to baby yoga but also i'm on a meeting on the way you know all of this mm. stuff so yeah the pursuit of pointlessness i i vibe <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 interesting. Yeah, because um, you don't get that with cults because there's no room for things just because, is there? That's right. I and mean, we talked about that. Do you get to do the recently. pursuit of pointlessness in a cult? Not really. I mean, the the irony is that a lot of what you are doing is pointless. Um, I I spent hours and hours and hours, thousands of hours throughout my life, knocking on doors, walking around the estate that I lived in, going on calls. Um, a lot of the time nobody was home um that is pointless <laughs> but you don't feel like it is at the time clearly um so yeah you are doing a lot of pointless things i mean you know uh sitting in a room praying isn't actually going to bring peace to the middle east or whatever you know these things are not actually going to produce the outcome you're looking for in my view anyway um, but you you believe that they are so you strive so yeah I think you're right we've talked about that um, you've given me some uh, some guidance I think about enjoying just relaxing and doing nothing sometimes and that have that a can do be good. nothing day it's great for you <laughs> I do recommend a do nothing day obviously you're doing something not just staring at the four walls yeah. and but like as but in, you're not no, actually no producing goals. anything That's no right. no goals. Yeah just vibes uh, so just before we move um i want to move back to religion for a moment um because one of the most read pieces of the bible one of the most read pieces of religious work is the sermon on the mount so called um there's Do you read this um yeah i mean it's a very it's a very popular uh, passage of scripture on which to do talks and um, talk about uh, and, um, and so on. So yeah, the Beatitudes. Um, now some Bibles, um, so in, in some translations, it, it's it's blessed are or blessed are. In the New World Translation, it's all happy is or happy are. So mm. I'll read this from a few, a couple of translations because that might, uh, be quite useful so the new world translation it's matthew 5 um so the setting is uh, the crowds when he saw the crowds he went up on the mountain and after he sat down his disciples came to him then he opened his mouth and began teaching them saying uh, and this is where he goes on to say i mean i would you know how he got to talk to crowds of people. I wonder how big the crowds were. They didn't have microphones in those days. Mm -hmm. Anyway, happy are those conscious of their spiritual needs since the kingdom of the heavens belongs to them. This is from the New World Translation. Happy are those who mourn since they will be comforted. Happy are the mild-tempered since they will inherit the earth. Happy are those hungering and thirsting for righteousness since they will be filled. Happy are the merciful since they will be shown mercy. Happy are the pure in heart since they will see God. Happy are the peacemakers since they will be called sons of God. Happy are those who have been persecuted for righteousness sake since the kingdom of the heavens belongs to them. Happy are you when people reproach you and persecute you and lyingly say every sort of wicked thing against you for my sake. Rejoice and be overjoyed since your reward is great in the heavens for in that way they persecuted the prophets prior to you. 
Um, and that's the end of the sort of happinesses. Um, he goes on to talk about other things then. Um, according to the new international version, it's similar, but this is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and so on. So it's the same sort of thing, but the word happiness and blessed or blessed um are interchangeable in many people's eyes. I mean, for me, the English word blessed or blessed is different to the word happy, which I think is quite interesting, but a lot of the commentators say that the the, the original Greek word could be translated sort of either. Um, what, what do you make of that? I don't know whether you, you could make anything of, of that text. Mm, well, the only bit I've heard before because um, obviously popular literature and stuff will use mm. it. I've heard it used in Gilead <laughs> in um, yes. in um, The Handmaid's Tale because uh, mm. often when the when bad things are happening to the girls, they're told blessed are the meek. Yeah. So that's often used. So it's just a way to say your sufferings are fine. Like, yeah it'll be fine. Just, just get through it. Yeah. It's kind You're of making, seen and it's good. <laughs> yeah. It's making a virtue out of suffering, isn't it? Yeah. In a way. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. And I suppose, you know, appealing to, I suppose, simple people who probably lived a very, quite a hard life, really, that probably would feel quite good, you know, um actually yeah, your suffering is seen and it is recognized that's right and and it will you will be rewarded because i yeah. think that's a big part of that you know happy are those who mourn since mm -hmm. they will be comforted happy are the mild tempered since they will inherit the earth the mild tempered people would be the people that are trodden all over i suppose in the society but now you're going to be the ones that get to inherit the earth you know if you're hungry or thirsty you'll be filled so it's that um yeah it's bad now but it'll be jammed tomorrow that's what it feels like mm. to me um and that's actually a really um i guess useful way for cults to get hold of yeah. that and say you know we, essentially you can you can pretty much do happiness anything happiness can people. wait <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um I mean many people love the Sermon on the Mount, um, who are not in cults. They think it's lots of wisdom and that's fine. I'm sure there is some wisdom in there. Um, maybe if but, you're not um, religious, you you take more from it in some ways maybe. because mm. you don't have these attachments or someone that was once in a more high control group, it doesn't have those implications. But when it was used in a high control group as another method of control, it is soured, you know. Mm yeah that, that's that's probably true yeah so okay let's let's move away from religious settings and look at the psychology of happiness um now what what strikes me doing research on this is that we just cannot agree on this <laughs> at all as discussed i don't know how you would ever agree on yeah on happiness because we don't understand so much of how the brain works and how individuals feel and experience the world. Like we can never, can well, at this stage we cannot understand how I to you experience the world. Well, this is by talking about it. Yeah, and that's all we've got to go on. You know, um, 
yeah, it, it's it's very challenging. But if you are serious about science, um, then you don't say, "Ah, oh, well, we can't do it." You just keep on banging away at it until, mm. in the end, you get a consensus um, because of all the data that you've collected. So, uh, yeah, it's. I think um, we're not there yet. Absolutely, but uh, okay. There's a there's a paper by Richard. Just as well, one question I have is. It might just be for knowledge sake and that's fine because knowledge is important and, and and powerful. But why do we need to know officially and concretely what happiness is and um, to be able to put it into a def- definition that is more uh, accurate than happiness is to be happy? <laughs> Well, um, I mean, What's I think the it's good. Yeah, okay, so for me, it's good enough that we just want to know because that's why we we want to know everything about the world. Mm-hmm. That's part of our yep. makeup. Um, but also, um, you know, we if we spend our lives trying to find happiness and trying to be happy, then it seems to me, and there's lots of people making claims about happiness. You know, mm-hmm. um, more books have been sold about happiness than most, um, I think. Um, so. It's a big industry. People are constantly claiming that they found the way to happiness. Buy this book, do this, follow this practice, join this cult, join this group, join this religion, uh, whatever it might be. Mm. People have to make choices. And I think the idea that we could have a better insight into what actually makes people happy rather than just um, allowing the discourse to be dominated by people trying to make money out of it Mm. i think that would be great you know so yeah i think there is a the the goal the prize is massive if we could understand Mm -hmm. happiness better um and i think there are some things that we can say um and we're going to say them today Mm. um but then there's still a lot that we that we don't know and there's a lot that we disagree about actually do we do we wonder if um as humans we've done it to ourselves the fact that we're selling all these books on happiness and we've got all these quests for happiness. Oh dear. What have we created? What are we? What messes that we're now desperately trying to work it out? Well, it it does make you wonder whether, you know... We've overcomplicated the whole thing. Well, yeah, I I mean, that's what humans do, isn't it? Because we think about everything so much Mm. and we have this sense of self. But, you know, I, I can't imagine... Our dog, um, lovely little Pepper, um, sitting there thinking, you know, how do I make myself happier? You know, <laughs> no, she she's just taking life as it comes, you That's know, it. and it's great. Yeah. Sometimes there's a great rug to sit on, there's, there's <laughs> treats to eat, there's walks yeah. to walk, there's smells to smell. That's right. You know. Uh, and that's that is one of the philosophies that that sometimes you hear is that you know um, just experience life be be less thoughtful about everything, which would be well and it. good if we'd not created the world that we're in though because yeah. it's like easy enough to say this isn't it mm. but Pepper can live in that sort of world because you know she's a dog and doesn't have expectations <laughs> and societal <Sorry>. pressures. <laughs> um, yeah. Whereas as humans, we've created a particular structure in a world that means, you know, people go and do things they don't want to do, like jobs yeah. and have to earn money and, you know, da, 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 which might be, uh, you know. There are some performance artists who have lived life as a sheep or things like that for, for a while. Um, That's nice. Which, yeah, I don't think I want to do that. Um, you could be truly happy, though. 
maybe. Um, anyway, let's, <laughs> let's look at the data. So Explaining Happiness by Richard A. Easterlin. Um, and this is from a magazine. Um, it's called The Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. It's a, a very prestigious journal with the acronym PNAS. Um, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, um, which tells me that, that the people that the bodies that put these journals together have never met human beings. No, say it again. <laughs> <laughs> the Proceedings of National Academy of Sciences, otherwise known as PNAS. Um, oh, why would you do that? Why would well, you create I, a magazine? I, know, I think scientists love doing this. <laughs> I think that they knew exactly what they were doing. You act as so though they're like aliens that didn't know. No, they knew and they think it's hilarious. Right. And they okay. go they go for drinks every time and they go <laughs> and we all do a cheers to penis and they love it. Yeah. There's no okay. way. That's this I hadn't thought of that. This mm, is nice. scientists. They love it. They do this all the time. <laughs> There's something in physics that refer, that's called snap, mm. cr- crackle, and pop. Like they love to yes. name things stupidly. Mm. Penis. They they mm. love it. They get drunk for the annual penis Christmas gathering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> infantile humor. Maybe that's part of happiness as well. I don't know. Mm. Uh, right. Okay. So in that paper. Um, so this this writer now this is back in two thousand and three so it's quite an old paper now but um, not that old um, in scientific papers terms but no, um, I was like seven or something I know but still <laughs> um, and the the author of the paper sort of takes to task the uh, the theories that were around at the time. So he talks about set point theories. That's quite an interesting one. This is a psychological theory called set point theory, that each individual is thought to have a set point of happiness that is basically there due to genetics and personality. Um, and then life events like ma- getting married, losing a job, um, serious injury or disease, these things will deflect the person above or below whatever set point they have. So they're kind of born with it, or at least they develop it early on, a set point level of happiness. And then these the set point is knocked around a bit by happy things and sad things. But in time, um, the person readjusts to whatever has happened and go back to that set point so that's the way that um, some psychologists see happiness it's very much around nature I suppose the genetics of it Um, whereas the economists economics studies of economics people always misunderstand what economics is about so economics is it's more psychology. It's more like behavioral psychology than it is about money, strangely enough. Um, but the science of economics basically says that people are, we're not going to get inside people's heads. Let's not worry about that. People mm-hmm. report being more happy if they get things that make them happy. So more of those things make them happier. So it's a very, you know, it's an economist's um typically simplistic view of the world um make people happier by giving them more things that make them happy if that makes mm. sense um so that's um that's another 
way of thinking about it. But this um, author, Richard, or this scientist, this Richard Easterlin, um, he does something that's really interesting. He does what's known as a longitudinal study over 28 years. So this sort of, I love this sort of research. He's taken 28 years to do the research. So every year he's um, got people to fill out a survey about happiness as they've gone through their lives. Same people um, every year. Then. Yeah, same people. Mm. And he had different cohorts um, as they started. So, you know, a younger cohort, uh, a, a slightly older cohort and so on. So you've got a massive range, obviously, of different sorts of people. Um, uh, and so that's really useful. There's some really good data, I think, here. Now, he says, um, generalizations about life cycle experience are obtained here by following each of several cohorts over the 28-year span between 1972 and 2000 covered by um, the survey. Um, so, yeah, the, the paper was written in 2003, but obviously the data is, is from the late 70s through to 2000. Um, right, health and happiness. The data here suggests that, on average, an adverse change in health reduces life satisfaction, and the worse the change in health, the greater the reduction in life satisfaction. So, basically, he's he's busy um, debunking the idea that we have this set point of happiness. Basically, mm -hmm. he's saying that, you know, no surprise, I suppose, people who are healthy are happier. If you are not healthy, then you are unhappy. Um, that does affect our happiness. Marriage. Now, here's an interesting one. At ages 18 to 19, when most women and virtually all men have not yet married, their mean happiness is 2.1. I don't want to get into what 2.1 means, but that's a, that's a rating of happiness that um, that is used throughout. Over the next 10 years, as up to 50% or more of a cohort becomes married, those who are married report significant higher levels of happiness, on average 2.2 to 2.3, whereas those who have never married remain at 2.1. Mm. So, folks, the data is in. Um, being married makes you happier. Mm. What do you think nice. about that? Well, I like living with my partner because for, you know, the effect of, like, what's different, you know. Yeah. I find it's nice i feel yeah. more contented i would say because you feel like you've got someone on your team at all times yeah you know yeah that's nice so that's that is nice um and what what they found as well is you know obviously when you get divorced then your happiness drops if, if mm -hmm. you break up if you get divorced then that means your happiness drops but um finding another partner um, I mean, it's marriage here, probably reflecting the times, I guess. But yeah. I think, as you say, I'm sure the same would apply whether you have a piece of paper or not. Um, but uh, starting a new relationship, having a new uh, partner um, mm -hmm. raises your happiness again. So mm -hmm. you can see why people do, um, you know, get married multiple times or have multiple mm -hmm. relationships. Um, because although it was very sad when you split up, um, being with somebody seems to make us happy. Yeah. Mm. Right, money. This is the one that obviously is the easy go-to. So money. Although those fortunate enough to start out with higher income and education remain on average happier throughout the life cycle than those of lower socioeconomic status, there is no evidence for either group that happiness increases with income. So I'm going to talk about some research that disagrees with this in a moment but in this research money was not um, making people happier although if you were um, born with 
higher income or born in a higher socioeconomic status, um, you are likely to be happier throughout life. But it doesn't seem to be linked to the, mm. the more money you have, the happier you are. Uh, but as I say, mm. there are some disagreements about that. Also, I think it's quite dependent. Depends on how how disparate your income yeah. goes from one to the other, right? Because if you've always been very working class and like really struggling, and then yeah. you eventually get into a situation where you're not anymore, and you have enough money to be comfortable. I'm not even talking about lots of wealth, just enough money to be comfortable. I think yeah. you will be happier just because you won't be anxious and anxiety. Like, you know, you won't be as anxious about, can I afford this? Can I, can we, you know, questions of, can we turn the heating on or can we mm. buy this thing? Can we afford to have treats when we go to the shop or is it just bare minute? You know, these things do yeah. have implications, surely. Yeah. And um, he's very clear that there's big range, there's a quite a big range of um, replies on this survey. So he's looking at the average averages here so you will get quite a big range yeah. so always remember that when you're looking at survey data is is you're looking at an average um but there will be quite a, a big range in in responses um that so the, the bit of wisdom i've just put at the end of the paper i'll put a link to the paper you can access it there's no um wall to stop you get, getting to the paper but the bit of wisdom for me was when he said, do individuals achieve the optimal allocation of time among domains and the constituents thereof? In other words, um, are people quite good at pursuing the right things to make them happy? Is basically mm. what he's saying. And the answer is no. People if you're already wealthy and ha just accumulating more wealth doesn't make mm. you happy, but that's what you do. That's what people do, exactly. Yeah. My answer is no. People allocate a disproportionate amount of time to the pursuit of pecuniary rather than non-pecuniary, that's monetary, objectives, as well as to comfort and positional goods and mm. short-change goals that will have a more lasting effect on well-being. You know what? Interestingly, we had a conversation mm. similar to this over the over the weekend just gone where Thomas wants to, um, I don't know if the podcast has come out where he's in it yet, but not yet. Um, partner came on and talked physics and he, you know, um, lo loves physics and was told, you know, if you could be paid, how much money would you have to be paid to never do physics ever again? <laughs> and he was like, none, no, no mm. money. No amount of money. Really. No amount of money. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, he loves physics. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a great question, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So I think he's got it right, hasn't he? Um, mm. That's what the, the data seems to suggest there. Um, okay. Now, there are some disagreements about this. There's um, a bit of research that I think most people or many people have heard of um, a decade ago. So this is from a website called Well and Good. Again, I'll put the link in for this a decade ago a study out of princeton university made headlines for showing that an income level of seventy five thousand dollars per household was the sweet spot for happiness so i remember this uh, piece of research the idea was that um you need about seventy five thousand dollars um that's a, a year that's your sweet spot um so if you have less than that, you're likely to be unhappy because of all the things that go along with, like you said, you know, being able to feed mm. and clothe and uh, go on holidays and do all the things that we we think that is is kind of um, we we should expect to be able to do. Um, mm. 
and somebody's put a number on that it happens to be $75,000 according to the research but after that the more that you try and earn the more that you earn you don't really increase in your happiness that was what mm. the uh the data from Princeton seemed to suggest however um there's a new bit of research um again from the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences um which I think we all know what the acronym is for that uh, Matthew Killingsworth PhD a senior fellow and happiness researcher at the University of Pennsylvania um basically says that um all measures of well-being increased with income and that at no point did that correlation disappear in other words it appears that it appears as though money can buy you happiness and recognizing that reality is at its core a wellness issue connected to access to social determinants of health. Mm. So I haven't looked at that research personally. Um, so I think this is it depends a report on, on what it. countries you're in, doesn't it? Because mm. again, I think if I was in, if I was living in somewhere without a, a welfare state, realistically, I think I'd be a lot more unhappy <laughs> because I wouldn't have the money to afford the medications yeah. that I need, right? So mm. I think needing more money to be happy in certain places is a reality and it's it's it you you kind of need a bit more like geography, I guess, to these questions because for me being um having a chronic condition in England is not as detrimental to my happiness as if I was somewhere else, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's right. And um, I think often the criticism of a lot of this research is that it is because the academics are in what we might call Western countries, mm -hmm. then it tends to be very focused on on the USA, Europe, yeah. um, Australia, Canada, those sorts of places. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, it's a good point. So I don't know enough about that data yet. I'm going to try and find the actual paper and see... Uh, mm. what I, think. I think the other thing to remember is the method um so the method for the one that i talked about before seems quite robust it's a longitudinal study um this the method here used doesn't seem to be as robust um, it seems to be a series of questionnaires that people have to fill in over a period of time throughout different parts of the day but it doesn't suggest it's anything like as long as the 28 year study so yeah it's um this is we always have to remember that methodology can have a big part to play on it um another another theory that i think i actually have quite a lot of time for is one that jeremy e sherman phd talks about in psychology today again i'll put the link to that which says and i've heard this before the secret to happiness and compassion is low expectations mm. so basically um you know if you don't expect much you're not disappointed <laughs> mm. um it doesn't sound like happiness massively i'm not gonna lie that's normally well, what like the pessimistic character says in a movie you know and they're sitting there like drinking and they're like trying to convince them to do something they're like if you don't expect much you can't get disappointed well yeah often it's often it is the the cry of the person that has been burned. wounded by yeah burned by by disappointment so in a way that's that's reflect in a way you could say that's proving the point is that 
the fact that they've had high expectations and not met them has made them bitter and twisted and um, mm. unhappy. If you don't have them in the first place, then you you tend to um, yeah you, you're not you're not disappointed. You just enjoy living. So we're back to the the way that the dog lives. Yeah, I, suppose, I mean to really. be fair, the things that I how I enjoy. So for instance, at school something that used to bring me lots of happiness was singing and doing my singing lessons. The way I enjoyed singing the most was when I wasn't, was when it was just doing it and getting better at a thing Mm. and there was no expectations Mm. or requirements to make it a career. Mm. Well, I I liked it to do like a school play or something, but I didn't want to, you know, because that was whatever. Mm. It was still, there was no high stakes it was just a school yeah. play you know um yeah. and i was aware of that fact the the potential pressure of making it a career and going mm. and gigging mm. kind of sucks the joy out of it to be mm. honest for me yeah i wanted to just like it <laughs> i think that's that's right and again that i think that that sits very nicely with this idea so yeah your expectation is quite modest it's it's saying i want to sing for the fun of it for me for you yeah and that's quite a low expectation not in a bad way but it's um you know if you had the expectation that you're going to be um a recording artist and um that's how mm-hmm. you're going to make your living then yeah that's a much higher but even, expectation but even just gigging in mm. pubs and stuff i never wanted mm. that because no. <laughs> it yeah it was that was turning it into career and a thing i didn't want i, I yeah. wanted to enjoy it and now my favorite bit of singing is singing at home when there's no one here or in the car while I'm driving home from work <laughs> I don't I don't I don't have any sadness that I didn't mm. try and do that because I can mm. sing no and I didn't want to so I think I think you are proving the point um so mm. this reminded me um I don't know why but um when I mentioned this before when I was um a Jehovah's Witness child um I used to sit in the library while the uh, the other children went into morning assembly, so mm-hmm. I was on my own in the library, and uh, I read a, a selection of books. And um, there was a book there called The Discontented Pony, mm. um, and I remember it. I remember the the book. I could remember the cover, and I actually found it on mm. on the interweb. Um, I found the the book, and it's there. I'm looking at it right now. I'll put the link on there called mm-hmm. the Discontented Pony. And I remember not knowing what the word discontented meant it was a book meant for very young children sort of you know five six um years old and the word discontented looked like a long and complicated word to Mm -hmm. me but anyway i did eventually get over that and um and did read it and uh i i couldn't really remember all the story now it's many years ago obviously but i do remember the fact that this pony was very unhappy even though he had kind of a nice life and the story was and this pony called Merrylegs, mm. um, he lived in, well, they think it was around Exmoor, um, lived on a farm. And his job was to pull the farmer's trap to a nearby town where he would sell eggs and dairy products. And the pony's friends um, was a pig and a calf. So, uh, you know, that was that was his life. He had a little life pulling this trap to uh, to to the nearby town where they'd sell products and but he didn't want that he wanted uh, a different life he was told that his grandfather was a racehorse and this made him discontented um 
And so one day when he goes to town, he sees the fair and there's roundabout horses on the fair. You know the roundabouts where mm. you can sit on the horse? He saw them and he didn't realise they weren't real. He wanted to be one A of merry those. merry-go-round. Merry-go-round, that's it. Um, and so he dreamt about that. Um, and that night he ran away to the fair um, but got mistreated. And he, he ended up going to sleep and having a nightmare about being a roundabout horse. Um, so basically his dreams are in tatters now um, and he runs back to the farm to be with his friends again and be happy living the life that he was before. So that's the story. Mm. Um, so the moral was stop moaning, don't be discontented. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm not sure I'm not sure what it tells us that, but it did stick with me. The idea behind that, being a discontented person. Well, it's just the grass grows greener on the other side story, exactly. isn't it? That's it really all. is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Well, then. So, so yeah, I, I guess um, what it seems, I think what the, the general wisdom is that, yes, we do need a certain amount of uh, material things because that enables us to live a life, not worrying about where we're going to find the next meal or where we're going to get some warmth from but um but that yeah things it's not it's not a shock that things that really make us happy are simpler things in life um and yeah things like relationships and so on are actually laughing is very good for you and it's free (laughs) what is what laughing is really good for you and it's free Yeah, absolutely. Find someone that makes you laugh, otherwise life's a misery. (laughs) If you've got someone that's too serious all the time, got to be funny. But I suppose that the slightly serious point is, in a podcast like that, like this, is that um, I can understand, you know, when you leave um, a high control group, a cult, or even a religion, it can be really difficult. And that is is likely to knock your happiness quite severely. Mm. Um, And, you know, we do see online people struggling with their mental health because of that um and um i think we we need to acknowledge that it can be very very difficult but there is a way through it um yeah and um it's prioritizing you i guess finding what makes you happy these small things that we've talked about yeah they're unique to you um and just yeah pursuit of, of pointlessness stop doing the pointless things they've made you do all this time and find something do you your like own to do pointless for things. <laughs> do your own pointless things that's where i'd like to finish do your own pointless stuff excellent um okay on that bombshell um i want to say thank you very much um if you're interested uh court hackers um i was recently on the podcast the cult vault with casey so casey interviewed me for her podcast and that came out last week so if you want to listen to that um check out casey's podcast it's much bigger than ours i'm very Mm. jealous um but uh yeah i had a lot of fun there on that podcast so check that out and i also want to say thank you for our patrons we've had another couple of people join the patreon and um i won't i won't uh read it out because it's a, probably a personal uh, message but she became a patron and um gave us sent us a lovely note didn't she about mm-hmm. the effect that the podcast has had on her and we kind of needed that and um, that was mm-hmm. 
really lovely so thank you so much for doing that and thank you to everybody who supports us and listens to us and uh yeah see you next time bye-bye bye cult hackers is an evil sheep production